Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast for Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, Worship Executive and Director of Liturgical Resources. And I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, the Director of Music Ministries. Well, folks, during these unprecedented days of physical distancing and leading online worship, the team has endeavored to provide conversations that share the, the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help those worshiping with us to stay engaged and feel connected, even from a distance. In today's episode, the team is going to do a year-end review of where we've been, the highlights and lowlights of 2020. And believe it or not, today we're celebrating our 34th podcast. And we're so excited about that. With 2020 soon to be in our rearview mirror, we thought it'd be a good time to take a look at all that we've covered this year as we think about what will be coming up in 2021. We want to know what you want to learn. So at the end of this podcast, we'll be asking you to help us to shape our 2021 year with input. Maybe topics that interest you as we move into a new year. So let's take a look at some of the things that we did Uh, Of course, as we all know, there was a major shift that happened that we weren't quite ready for, as nobody was ready for. But when we began the year, it was our intention to follow the liturgical year and and preview the upcoming series and the themes and the High Holy Days as a way of saying, get ready for this. And so we had a podcast on Epiphany, and we had a podcast on Human Relations Sunday. And we presented two of our early series, the Somos del Señor series and the Sela series for Lent. And we, we presented those and, and the plan was that they would be just like series and worship has always been. But we had a we, great schedule uh, in yeah. place. Do you remember that? It was a, it was beautiful. It was, it was <laughs> and well, then like most, most plans and planners, they just, it just went out the window. It, everything just kind of changed there at the last minute, but yet we still believe that the series can be adapted to whatever new environment that you have. And so it's not like this is no longer valuable. It just has to be added to. And as we went on, our our podcast began to incorporate some other ideas about how to approach that. The things that interest me, of course, as the preacher, which, by the way, I think sometimes when we introduce Nashville, we ought to say the preaching city instead of the music city. You always (laughs) go on that thing. Anyway, <laughs> here in Preaching City, Nashville, Tennessee. But we, we talked about um, some other themes and other ways of approaching preaching. We talked about preaching in Lent, uh, specifically around the idea of bringing in an area of doubt. My conversation there with Melanie Bachman, who was a Ph.D. candidate from Vanderbilt, was a fascinating conversation there that I found very meaningful and still useful. What What better way can we talk during this pandemic season than to to allow room for doubt 
and for struggle and for things that may not be working well. Uh, also, we spent some time talking about later on, uh, we had a podcast on preaching online and some of the ideas, some of the things that we had learned over the over the months as we've been doing this online preaching. And it is a little bit different than preaching from a pulpit. And so we uh, gathered some of those things together and I, I put together a podcast and we talked about some of those things. But the other pandemic that has affected us, of course, is the racism issue that that blew up in the midst of all of this. And oh, perhaps yes. was our attention was drawn to it because we were in a pandemic and we were able to focus in ways that we hadn't before. So I want to lift up my conversation with Dr. Eric Barreto in August um, as an opportunity for us to think about how do we preach about these this volatile issue. And the thing that came out of that podcast primarily was that this is not a one-shot deal. You can't just do your racism sermon and have it covered, but you've got to look at how you approach preaching and how you look at your resources and how you look at, at the voices that you lift up in the midst of that. Words matter, and our approach matters to all of them. So I think it's I think it's important for us to continue on these paths. This isn't an issue that's going to go away, that isn't going to be solved easily. And so like many things in the church, we have to look at the long view and how do we continue to, to address those issues. Well, yeah, and I wonder if that's a, a conversation that we can keep coming back to, you know, um, in, in future podcasts and wonder if our listeners would like that to um, keep bringing that back with Eric or with another uh, professor, uh, practitioner like that. Well, and I think it's important, too, to look at language. Um, so maybe the liturgy, you know, Cynthia has drawn our attention to some of the Africana uh, liturgical pieces mm -hmm. that help us lift up a new way of seeing, uh, a mm -hmm. different way of understanding. Worship is about opening ourselves up to the experience of God through one another. And our one another has to enlarge. I think that's part of what this whole approach is telling us. Yeah. And that's what's been wonderful about these conversations in our podcast. So we get, begin to uh, excavate the language of culture uh, and use for um, a backdrop uh, the ways in which culture and tradition live together and how wonderful it would be if we paid attention to uh, those very uh, poignant ways that communities live together and talk together and, and worship together and sing together. Uh, one of the important pieces you will note uh, as we have um, looked back through this year of podcasts, we, we have really been paying attention uh, to the liturgical season. And we hope that the information that we've provided for you uh, within these various uh, high holy days has been helpful again as we move to when we move to the end of this podcast we hope that you will consider sharing some things that might be more helpful to you uh, as we approach 2021 of course as Derek talked about uh, our best laid plans um, <laughs> around these high holy seasons uh, we thought several times that we'd be going back a lot sooner into our sanctuaries. And yet we found that going back was not a part of the equation uh, not as soon as we had hoped. And so we brought in 
the Reverend John Thornburg from Texas, and he talked to us about when we return. The conversation was poignant, obviously, and driven by the question, what are we learning about ourselves? What are we learning about our ministries during the COVID-19 quarantine? Uh, John and the team explored possibilities and signs of hope. And we really should never miss the opportunity to ask the important questions about why we do what we do and what it really means to be the church ever changing, ever moving forward. So these seasons really have taken on an interesting shape, a reshaping, a restructuring, a rethinking. Uh, and it's been really fun to do that. We've, we've been challenged uh, as we uh, consider how we would give you guidance and creative ideas about Lent and about Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Easter, Pentecost, and then back around to the Advent season, which is where we are right now. So it's been really interesting watching this cyclical movement of the church's year. One of the other uh, pieces I think that was so helpful uh, in bringing in, uh, in the month of June, the voices of young people, the voices of uh, the centennial and millennial uh, folks within the denomination and even outside of the denomination. And we're really blessed to have brought in Dr. Sophia Fosua of Indiana Wesleyan Seminary, who was formerly a part of the worship team here at Discipleship Ministries. And she is now bringing back to life a wonderful Africana worship project that listens to the voices of these young millennials and centennials. And pretty soon you'll be seeing more uh, resource written by these young practitioners. Uh, whose vision of Africana worship is based on both tradition as well as the contemporary uh, spirit of what is happening in the church. Yeah. I'm so excited about that, Cynthia. I think that's just going to uh, add so much to what resources we have now. And it's just, it's going to, I think, spur even other um, cultural groups to, to do something similar. Oh, I, whole, I wholeheartedly agree, Diana. I, I, I so look forward to hearing what these young people will say to us for such a time as this. Well, I think it's a matter, too, of keeping our eyes open and, and paying attention. You mentioned that, Cynthia, when you when you talked about paying attention to our culture so that we can listen to other cultures. Sometimes we take culture for granted, our ways of doing things. It's like the old metaphor of the fish in the sea. And somebody says, how do you like the water? And he says, what water, right? We don't know about culture until we start asking questions, until we start looking beyond, until we see another, another way of seeing, another way of being uh, together. So, yes. but I also I also want to echo and, and affirm your statement about the liturgical year being a frame. One of the things that the pandemic has caused is a certain unsettledness of disconnect of not having our regular patterns of of gathering and worship and all of that sort of thing so so let's let the year be some of those patterns that can provide that frame i really enjoyed that this is a selfish statement i have to make but i really enjoyed talking with my wife uh, a couple episodes ago uh, episode 31 about advent worship at home mm -hmm. just reflected on our personal experience but but a lot of people were saying to me says well how are we going to take this stuff 
you yeah. know, these things that we have talked about and do it at home now. And so we have to think a little differently about our worship and how do we how do we not just do our thing, but do a thing together with other people in their own homes and still stay connected to all of that? Absolutely. And Diana, you did some really wonderful pieces around the music of uh, worship. Uh, that we Thank you. Uh, yeah, I had some some great guests on uh, to help um, talk about some of the questions that I, I got lots and lots of questions when once everything shut down and uh, churches were trying to figure out how to do online worship and especially uh, around the area of music. And so very early on, we had copyright questions from the field. And that was episode number 13. And that was in May. Um because we were all just figuring out how do we do this? What licenses do I need? I have this license. Do I need this other license now? And so I talked with a, a couple of the guys from uh, Christian Copyright Licensing Incorporated, CCLI, which is they service most of our churches. We also have one license.net that is often used in services, um, in worship services. Um, but between those two, the same kind of questions kept coming up. and. People were using Facebook Live. They were using YouTube channels to um, broadcast their online worship. And so lots of questions. And and I still get those. And, and it's and, and I saw that as a good thing because people are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to honor the artistry of the hymns, the modern songs, contemporary worship songs and and, you know, be true to those musicians who get paid if we report that we're using their their work. And so um, I really appreciate when people ask a lot of questions about that. And, and almost daily, I get emails asking me about, can I use this? Can I use that? How do I do this? And so um, I'm glad that we did that early on. And we probably should revisit that in the new year um, just to continue that conversation as more people um, actually you know buy into those services um a lot of churches haven't hadn't bought into it yet until the pandemic hit yeah. and so mm-hmm. that that's just part of it then also we had uh congregational singing and COVID-19 I had a conversation with Brian Hain who's with the Center for Congregational Song which is an arm of the Hymn Society of uh, North America and uh so we talked about um, how if we gathered and when we gathered again, this was back in, let me see, what month was this? June. So we were still thinking we were going to gather in September. Lots of churches were making plans to to regather in September. So the question was, can we sing? Uh, what do we need to do that we can be in community and singing together? And so Brian and I were part of an ecumenical consultation uh, on protocols for uh, reopening churches. And in that consultation, he and I wrote a brief about singing and what is, and we took the the work of the CDC at the time, um, their protocols, and we, you know, uh, put that into more theological language and uh, basically came down and said, you know, if, if there's any risk at all that you're transmitting a virus in an enclosed room because you want to sing, we encourage you not to do that because it's just too dangerous. 
And as you know, even since June, there's been so much more that we've learned that that is a very dangerous thing to do. And so we had a great conversation and um, uh, and I think brought to light some of the the work of the CDC and this ecumenical consultation. Then um, later on in episode 23, I had another conversation with a really good friend of mine, David Bone, and he's the executive director of the Fellowship of United Methodists in Music and Worship Arts. And he and I um, just talked about the resiliency of church musicians and and ritual artists, those that um, put worship together each week and how, you know, um, our superpower, if you will, is that we can adapt we can change, we can do what needs to be done. If I was uh, conducting a choir uh, six months ago, I've, I've had to learn how to do um, technical things behind a camera so that we can do online worship or do a virtual choir, uh, just all these other things. And, and furthermore, we talked about the blessings of COVID, um, the things that have... Um, have come to us because the challenges that have come to us that have made us grow. Um, and so we just talked some about that. And I know Derek and I then also had another podcast la later on talking about the blessings of COVID. You know, the fact that we can, we've had more meals as a family. There's been less travel for one parent or another who normally might be traveling a, a great deal with their work, um, walks in the evening. Uh, being able to see the the uh, plants uh, bloom uh, this past spring in ways that we've never noticed before. So we were having to slow down and notice things. But that was a really fun conversation with with David. And then finally, the last one I'll, I'll lift up was um, podcast number 30. And so that's uh, in October, the CC, the vetting group for the CCLI top 100 and beyond. So this is a group that um, has gotten together in the last few months to vet the CCLI Top 100 uh, Modern and Contemporary Christian Songs um, that they list, CCLI lists, since 2017, which was the last time this vetting group or a vetting group had gotten together. And we felt that we needed to go beyond what the CCLI puts out there because generally speaking, those are company, they're represented by companies that um, are large, that it's an industry for contemporary Christian music. And we know that there are an, uh, so many congregations in our United Methodist uh, connection that sing other kinds of modern songs in worship, Black gospel um, uh, Latin American contemporary Christian music, uh, just to name a couple, of course, African music. Um, and so we wanted to vet beyond their list. And so our vetting team put together our own recommendations, and then we put them through the same vetting process that we used for the ones from CCLI. And so I think we've come up um, this round with around 86 that we're going to going to be putting forth this month in an article at through Discipleship Ministries because uh, we finished the work a couple of weeks ago and um, so that's that was the last podcast and I had uh, Nelson Cowan who is our project manager for uh, this vetting team and um, 
uh, Eric Liu, who's an assistant professor at Princeton. Uh, so those two guys and I had a, a really good conversation about this. So that's, that's kind of what um, those are the ones that I wanted to lift up. I think what's fascinating is some of these things we would have done anyway. Some of these conversations we would have had anyway, but they're different because of the environment in which we're in. And one of the things looking forward is what will continue? And one of the things we discovered, and, and I think you alluded to it, Diana, in, in your conversation there, but uh, the, the online piece is going to continue, even if we get back fully in worship again, because we've discovered a whole new arena for leading worship and for inviting and connecting with people. And we want to do it well. We don't want it just to be an add-on to uh, what we do. The, the old style of online worship is just simply recording what we're doing in-house. And so it's as if people are standing outside, looking in a window, watching something else going on. But now we want to actually address those people and, and be connected with them, create a sense of online community. One of the questions that, that I think John Thornbird asked us to think about is, what does it mean to belong together? What, what is it? How do we create community? And the online piece is a vital uh, part of that, too. So, so we'll be dealing with the shifts that happened here long into the future, even, even when the vaccine is out. And that's going to take a long time. Even when we feel comfortable about meeting face to face, we're still going to be dealing with the impact of what's been happening these past few months. Very much so. You know, about midway, uh, this virus, we discovered that uh, our conversations were more about doing than being. And uh, thinking about what Diana said around the idea of grace abiding, even in the midst mm. of the pandemic, uh, what we want you to know is that as liturgists, as church musicians, as homiletic homil uh, experts, we want you to know that we're not... Uh, just thinking about how to do what we do, but we also try to uh, pay attention to how we be, um, how it is that we actually uh, move into the work of worship. And we were really blessed to have the Dean of our Upper Room Chapel come and talk to us about the ways in which we care for our own souls. And that as we wrap up this conversation, we want to say to you, we want to encourage you to continue to care for your own soul, the worship and spiritual life that you experience. Uh, we want you to strengthen that grip in your walk with God and listen and pray and look at the direction that the Holy Spirit continues to guide you as a leader um, in the church. We hope that you will think about how we can best help you as we move into the year 2021. And again, reach out to us, be in touch with us. UMCDiscipleship.org is one of the best ways that you can speak to us. We want you to tell us what it is that you think about this podcast and how it is uh, that you think we could help you in better ways. Until next time. We're going to be praying for you and for your congregation. May God continue to bless you and your ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. 
This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.